After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Welcome to another edition of the Baseball America podcast. I'm J.J. Cooper alongside Connor Glassy as we come to you from a, a rather chilly, and it's been chilly for a little while, Durham, North Carolina. Definitely not baseball weather right now here. No, I think uh, I think Jim Callis brought some of the Chicago weather down yeah. here while he's editing the Prospect Handbook. Yeah, yeah. Jim's here. Uh, Jim makes a couple of trips during Prospect Handbook season as, he, as we're putting the finishing touches on that. We'll actually have that book sent to the printer by we're recording this on a Wednesday by next Wednesday this book will be on the way to the printer and so if you're waiting for your uh, your fix of the top 30 of your team or just the top 900 you know the 900 prospects overall well it's not that far away now we're we're not we'll be uh sending that to you you know if you order it relatively quickly now it's not christmas time for that but christmas in uh in january as far as the prospect handbook but uh Wanted to remind you before we get really kind of rolling into this that the Baseball America podcast is brought to you by MLB Network, and we're really proud to be sponsored by MLB Network. And a reminder that we have a special offer on the site. If you go to baseballamerica.com slash MLB Network, there's the four for four opportunity where you can buy four issues for $4 to kind of check us out and get an idea if you've listened to the podcast but don't buy the magazine, get an idea of what the magazine's like. And, And we think, you know, we really feel like that you that you'll enjoy what you see right now we're in prospect season so if you order that now you'll get some top tens which is one of our kind of uh pride and joys and one of our, our cornerstones of the year for the magazine and and what we're going to talk about today is we want to wrap up the al west which we just finished putting up on the site the uh, al west top tens mike trout's on the cover i think it's safe to say the the number one prospect from these al west teams but when it comes to the uh, the teams as a whole, these top tens, if we look at these top tens, which top ten stands out to you the most, Connor? Well, you know, I think it's still probably the Rangers. Um, you know, they were they were our number two organization last year. Is yeah, that right? I think so. Yeah, Ray, I think it was them Behind two. The Raves. Raves one. The Rays. Yeah, I think Rays won them two, but I just off the top of my head, and I could be wrong on that. Yeah, I, I think it's still them. I mean, Martin Perez, you know. Had a little bit of a difficult year this year, but I think he's still, you know, a quality prospect. He's their number one guy, and right behind him, you know, I really like Jerickson Profar as a shortstop, and uh, and then Tanner Shepard's at three. That's a really solid top three. But I, I you know, <clears throat> as far as top threes go, I think the Mariners is pretty close to I, that. I was gonna say I, I was very surprised, like when I looked at it, just talking top tens here. You know, we'll be we'll have top thirties in the uh, in in the prospect handbook, but as far as top tens, not a whole. 
not as much of a difference as I thought there would be between the Rangers and Mariners. Yeah, and especially when you break down those those top three guys, I think the Mariners' top three really stacks up with almost anybody in baseball. It, it thins out after that for sure, but those top three, you know. Justin Ackley, Michael Pineda, and Nick Franklin. Nick that's Franklin. That, that's a really solid top three. You know, I've uh, just kind of started taking a preliminary look at doing an overall top 100, just kind of, you know, yeah. sorting guys uh, out, playing to try my to do that uh, Excel spreadsheet there and putting guys where I think they belong. And, uh, you know, I think the Mariners' top three, I think they've got three in the top 30, 35 range, which is really solid. Right. And now, if you had a knock on the Mariners, it's like, okay, when you go from Nick Franklin at three to – uh, Taiwan uh, Walker. Taiwan Walker at four. That's a you know, you a three in the top thirty-five or so. Number four, is and then that's it. That's it yeah. for the top one hundred. Number yeah. four is probably going to be somewhere around one forty, one fifty, just off the top of my head. Yeah. And that's the thing is, is that now I think that when you get you know four to ten on that list isn't a brutal list by any no. stretch. I mean because I think like you know Mauricio Robles at uh, at six guys like that are are solid prospects. But, yeah, I think the Rangers is still number one because they do have more depth than that. Like Robbie Erland, the f- number four in yeah. the uh, in the Rangers system, yeah, he could be a top 100. You know, probably more back end, but yeah. he could be a top 100 guy. I think so, too. Engel Beltre, they're number five. Uh, probably not for me, but I could see guys voting for him top 100. Yeah. You know, and I think, I think we both agree those two organizations, as far as top tens, now, the Angels have a number one prospect who's better than any of these guys we're talking about. Yeah. I think we'd both agree. Mike Trout. Mike is. Trout is. Mike Trout's the best the best prospect of this bunch. I, I will say Dustin Ackley, I think, is pretty close. Uh, but Trout is, I, I would take Trout. Yeah, I, I would say, Ackley. I mean, to me, Trout is a, is a good couple of notches ahead of Ackley. Nothing against Ackley, but much less concern about the position, um, you know, with Trout. And just considering how young he is, I mean, he's... He's really you're, – you're talking about a guy who's probably going to play all this year in double-A, and he's going to do it for most of the year as a teenager. Mm-hmm. That's that's pretty that's pretty impressive. Well, I don't know. I mean, I can see him maybe playing the back of the season in double-A, but yeah, I mean, he I didn't would, exactly – he didn't tear up. He didn't up tear up, but I would like – yeah, I, I should put it more like I would expect – but if he had a good spring, I wouldn't be shocked to see him, you know, in – I mean – he did play with that Team USA team right. after the season, and you know all those guys were older than he right. was I mean, for the most part. I, it, our, pro- our projection uh, that Matt Eddy did in his top ten said, you know, by the latest he should be in Double A by July. Yeah. So yeah. it could be earlier than that. It could be July as a 19-year-old in, in, in you know, and then turning 20 just as the season ends. But if things break for him, I mean, you know, the, the sky's just the limit for him. Just from the standpoint of you're talking about an exceptional athlete who mm-hmm. has baseball aptitude, too. Now, yep. the thing with the Angels system is is that the gulf between number one and number two is, it's the Grand Canyon, I think it's fair to say. <laughs> well, Tyler Chatwood, you know, nothing against Tyler Chatwood, but that's a big drop from Mike Trout. Yeah, anything anything probably would be, yeah. you know, but, um, and I like Chatwood. I think he's, uh, I think he'd probably be a top 100 guy for me as well, but lower down, you know, probably 50 yeah. to 100, I would say. Yeah, I mean, it is true, like, that, you know, Mike Trout's just, I mean, he, if he's not the number one prospect in baseball, and I think we'll have some, some very interesting debate. There's going to be some debate about that. There's going to be some debate because there's, but he's gonna there's be, a split camp around here, it seems. I, I feel very comfortable that he will be in the top three at the late, at yeah. the worst, yeah. and probably top two. Yeah, but I, I, think, I think he'll be top two. Yeah. I, I'm going to go out there and, and say right now, I, I'd have 
Bryce Harper ahead of him. I probably would too, but that's you know that's that's no that's no uh, insult there. It's a discussion for another day. Yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll have a, we'll have a top hundred podcast down the road. I, yep. I promise. But uh, but when you're looking at the uh, you know at the West as a whole, it has been kind of one of those stories that the West has been in at the major league level has been. For the last, you know, several years, the Angels and whoever is competing with the Angels that year. Now the Rangers have kind of have made it at least a two-team race. But you obviously you did our your, our Mariners list, and and you know the Mariners very well. What is it? I mean, disastrous 2010 th- season. I think we can all agree for the yeah. Mariners. How far away are they? You know, from getting back into contention, and what do they need to do? Well, you know, I think they're closer than some people think. I mean, I think a lot of fans out there are really frustrated. It's been a tough several years for them now, but um, I, I think they're actually closer than, than you might think. And I think, you know, their next successful run is really going to depend on uh, how well their young players progress. You know, they graduated players to the big leagues like Michael Saunders, Adam Moore, who – you know, it's questionable how much time he's going to get now with the signing of Olivo. I think they're really right. trying to to push him and see what he has. But then, you know, Michael. But that's Pineda, not yeah, that's not a good sign that they're like going, "Hey, Adam Moore's our definitely right. our catcher." But I mean, I, you know, I, I still believe in Michael Saunders. Um, and then they've got guys knocking on the door like Michael Pineda. You know, could step in the rotation next year. As, you know, as early as you know, making the team asking training. I think Dustin Ackley is very close. Um, it's it's actually pretty remarkable. He kind of gets. He, I, I don't want to say written off, but I think people just don't realize how good his season actually was because right. he started out real poorly in April. And so I think a lot of people are like, oh, you know, and with the position change he made, he, you know, that's not easy. Starting in double A is not easy. But, he, you know, right after April, he, he picked things up he from, was, he from was May on. He, he hit really well. Uh, they didn't waste any time in moving him to triple A. So for a kid to come out of college, I and mean, we know he had polish, but he came out of college, made a position change, spent half a season in double A, half in triple A, and then – you know, and tore boom, up yeah. the AFL. Right. It's pretty remarkable what he did, and he'll he'll definitely. Uh, I think Mariners fans can expect to see him in in Safeco Field at some point next year. I don't think they're going to bring him up right away, but I think that you know they'll probably give him a month or two more in Tacoma and then bring him up. So basically, what I'm trying to say is the Mariners they have a lot of young players that can form a core, and that's what they're going to need going forward. And pair that up with you know Felix Hernandez and. Ichiro, who's still, you know, still very, Ichiro. very, very productive. Uh, I keep wondering if he's going to get 3,000 hits in the U.S. And just, you know. <sighs> I wouldn't put anything past him. Um, when I was looking at these top ten, so one thing that also jumped out, if you're talking about what teams had a bad 2010, like, I mean, the Royals had kind of like, you know, uh, and I've talked about the Royals because, you know, I do the Royals top ten, but the Royals had a 2010 where almost – Everything prospect-wise that could have happened well happened well for them. Almost all their guys stayed healthy. They all, you know, with exception of essentially like Aaron Crow and Tim Melville, everyone else performed well. All that. Yep. The Oakland A's was almost. I mean, I won't say the exact opposite, but pretty close. It it was pretty close. I mean, I remember um, <laughs> when we were starting to put these lists together. I remember just talking with Jim Schoenard, who does the A's list, about you know how he's going to rank these guys, and he was just running through. I mean. This guy got hurt. This guy got hurt. This guy didn't play very well. It was just this guy up became, and down the this list. This guy left for a monastery. <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah. yeah, that's the topper right there. But up and down the list, I mean, those guys just all together as a, as a group had had disappointing seasons, I guess you could say. And I mean, Grant Green is the number one, and 
I'll be honest, like in talking to people that I talk to, you know, guys who saw him in the AFL and all, wasn't hearing a whole lot of complimentary things about Green, especially when it came to his defense. Like, you know, some serious concerns about whether he's going to be, you know, a, a solid shortstop defensively at the big league level. Chris Carter, who's number two, was working on a record at one point, which, you know, he thankfully for him, I think, avoided. But, you know, you started about as bad a start to a major league career as you can have. And then you, you got on a list. Michael Taylor, who's number 10 on this list, if you talk about which prospects had the worst 2010s as far as their prospect status, it's hard to think of a whole lot of guys who, who saw more uh, more of a drop than Michael Taylor. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just not very good. I do still like, you know, some of these players in their list, but... Who, yeah, who jumps out to you that you're like, okay, bad year in 2010, but you know what, I, I still like this guy? From the A's? Yeah. Um, well, I like, I mean... I like Jamal Weeks. Um, I liked him since he was in college. I like the athleticism, you know, and he's a guy that I still would still have some, some belief in. But some of the guys I like better on this list are some of the newer guys. I mean, right. the draft guys. I like Michael Choice a lot. Yeah, no, Choice, I mean, and, you know, he, he had a solid, a very solid debut. Short, but, you know, very yeah. solid debut. Yeah, I actually, I mean, even, even Stassi didn't have a great year, but I, I like Max Stassi as well. Catchers, it sometimes takes a little while. It does. You know, so. I mean, it, 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 and it's funny that that was really a catcher-heavy class, that uh, that draft class, yep. and it's a good reminder that it does take a little while because take <coughs> Will Myers, who, you know, may not be a, a catcher long term, but he was part of that He's class. He's the exception, not the rule, right. for sure. But you take him out, and the Stassies, the Luke Bailey's, guys like that are Austin still. Maddox went to school. I mean, Steve Barron in the Mariners organization. That's another one. He, I think he was the the second high school catcher drafted. That year, and there's um, not many of those who are who've torn it up yet. Right, and that doesn't mean that you know it may not down the road put it together, but it does take a little while with catchers, obviously. Yeah, it does. But so, I, would we agree? I think we agree. Rangers one out of these t- of these four teams, Mariners two, Angels well, three. I think it's kind of a toss up between the Mariners and the and the Angels. Matt because Eddie and I were talking about the same thing. Um, I like the I like the Mariners top three, but I think I like the Angels depth a little bit better, and the Angels. That is where I say with the Angels. The Angels do have, I think, some some pretty solid depth. Um, as you go on, I do wonder. I guess the the question with them is is how many, you know, how many impact guys they have is maybe a little bit of a question. But I do think that there's a lot of guys in the system who will be big leaguers. Yeah, I, I do too. I mean. Obviously, Trout is easy to envision yeah. as a big leader. I think he's going to make it. Conger's very close. Walden's already Ward, been there. Walden's been, there been up. Yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, briefly. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, yeah, they do have some guys who, you know, Trumbo's been up. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't – if you map it out, I don't see Mark Trumbo being an, an everyday regular for the Angels. But yeah. but he has been up. Um, so, yeah, they do have a number of guys who are at the, the upper levels. I mean, Chatwood's been a AAA. Yeah. But – at the same time, I, you know, I, I would probably, to me, say Mariners too because of these because Ackley Pineda, you know, Ackley Pineda Franklin. Yeah, that, that's a, that's a great point, and the top three definitely does <laughs> way heavier. I would right, say. like yeah, I mean, so. and, you know, and it's not as maybe as far as we see, you know, because Segura, who's number three on the uh, uh, on the Angels list, same you know same level as Nick Franklin was last year. Mm-hmm. And a different year, but uh, uh, you know, 
a very good year in the Midwest League himself. Sure. So it's not, you know, that's number three versus number three. So it's not a, you know, a, a, a chasm there. But I think it's safe to say that Nick Franklin's going to show up a, a, a significant bit higher on the top hundreds probably yeah. than Segura. Yeah. Um, and then I think we can agree, Athletics four. Yeah, I think the Athletics are definitely the, the fourth team in this in this uh, division here. And it's just as we go through these top tens, uh, division after division, what seems to jump out the, over and over is is We've been so spoiled. There's been such stacked prospects list that there's just not a whole lot of teams that you know, really jump out right now because there have been so many prospects who've recently broken in at the big league level. That that leads to kind of a, one other thing I wanted to talk about. You know, we've seen in the last week Cliff Lee signed with the uh, with the Phillies, shocking everyone. Yeah, uh, I think it was safe to actually say. All, all three of the big free agent signings so far. I mean, I don't think anyone really. Predicted those. I mean, no, I don't think anyone saw Jason Worth signing with the Nationals. Uh, I think that's everyone kind of thought Jason Worth was going to be a Red Sox, maybe a Tiger, you know. Right. Um, Crawford with the Red Sox. That was a little less. I think that. Yeah, I think that one was at least Red Sox are always major projectable. Yeah, they yeah. Sort of thing. But everyone, you know, everyone thought he was going to be an Angel. You know, everyone thought the right. Angels were going to go big and get Crawford and maybe Beltre and Soriano too. But and then you know with Cliff Lee, the mystery team was real. Although the you know the original mystery team was there's a mystery team and it's not the Phillies so um, oh <laughs> so the mystery team was the Phillies <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah I mean the Phillies obviously have now the rotation of of all rotations and you know if, if how do you, how do you think it stacks up to Maddox Glavin Smoltz um so the thing I would say is is it's deeper you know their number four is significantly better than what the number fours were for most of that stretch. I mean, you had, mm-hmm. you know, kind of when Maddox comes in, you had Avery really at the tail end. I, I mean, you wouldn't have known at the time. If you'd have asked me, compare that when Maddox signed with that group to knowing what we knew then to this group, I would probably say Braves. But we didn't know that Steve Avery's career was yeah. almost over. Um, and, you know, you added Denny Nagel at the, the tail end of that. Uh, and... But I'd say probably, you know, look, the the four guys that they have, I think it's it's a deeper it, – it's – I would still say that the number one, I mean, Greg Maddox, John Smoltz at their top end, I'd probably still rather have that, you know, those three, those top three, if you said pick any three of these Phillies pitchers, I'd probably still rather have at the time, you know, I mean, Greg Maddox in, in that stretch was oh, yeah. insanely good. Yeah. Um, but if you said – no, I mean, but as far as the depth of those four, that fourth guy's better. Cole Hamels is better than whoever was the fourth starter for most of that stretch. For the, I mean, it was Kevin Millwood, yep. and it was Denny Nagel. You know, you, at the start it was Avery, but that, that wasn't for long. So, I mean, what do you think? Well, yeah, I actually, I actually agree with that. I think the three is probably better in the top, the top two. You know, Maddox and Smoltz. Or Glavin, I mean, because you know yeah, it depends exactly. on the year. Um, but but the Phillies' depth is you know top to bottom is what really makes the difference. But so what's happened with that now is is so now the question becomes okay, well, the Yankees. I know the Yankees are publicly saying you know well we're on to Plan B and Plan B is patience, but no one really seems to believe that the Yankees are are going to go into, especially if Andy Pettit announces you know hey I'm retired yeah. that they're going to go into the season with. The rotation as it's currently constructed, which would be CC uh, Sabathia, uh, Phil Hughes, AJ Burnett, kind of 
cringe and hold, you know, hold, yeah. cross your fingers. And then Hector Nuesi, Yvonne Nova, you know, and I, I don't know who, you know, maybe, you know, mid-season Batonsis or, or Brackman or something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone believes that that's what the, the Yankees are going to do. And also you have the Rangers who are kind of potentially in the market now for an ace. But the thing that jumps out is, is I mean, there's a lot of talk about the Zach Greinke deal, which obviously is possible. Yep. Besides that, there's not a whole lot of guys who seem even to be, you know, on Maybe the market. Maybe Matt Garza. Yeah, Garza's definitely on the market, yeah. I think. I think you could – I think if you're the Rays, you're you're definitely taking calls on him. Sounds like uh, Fausto Carmona might be available, you know. Yeah, although I think that's a – that's that's a that's a, a, a step down there yeah. I mean, to me. Yeah, sure, sure. You know, but yeah, I mean, that that's to me, that's more in that – it's like, you know, if you, you know, if you said get Carmona – if you said Carmona versus Pavano – I don't know who I'd – because Carl Pavano is probably the best free agent pitcher left now. But yeah. um, but one of the things we were talking about when we – this dearth of prospects right now, it does make it a little harder if you're saying, okay, well, we're going to trade you know one of these guys for prospects. Well, it becomes a little harder because there aren't that many teams out there who have the kind of prospect halls that you would seemingly need to get for these guys. Now, the thing that jumps out is, is that a lot of these guys, when they have been traded recently, when you talk about – Cliff Lee, who's been traded twice now, you know, recently for prospects, yep. and and Roy Halladay. Halladay's hall looks pretty good in hindsight. Like it still looks pretty solid. Drabeck, uh, you know, Travis Diarnode, it looks like a a solid uh, group. But the the Cliff Lee halls have not necessarily been blow you away trades. Have they, they haven't? No, they haven't. I mean, our Phillies list just went up, and none of the three pitchers the Mariners sent to to Philadelphia made the top ten. The three players, Gillies, uh, yeah, was yeah, outfielder was yeah was was part of that too, yeah, right. but, yeah, but yeah, none of our top ten guys. Yep. And then, you know, well, you you've just done the Mariners list, and you know, with when with their trade, it's well, I mean, smoke didn't qualify. Smoke didn't qualify. Yeah, you know, he, he definitely would have been two or three. Right. You know, um, let's see, Josh Lukey was close. I mean. If, you if, know, let me ask you this: uh, You know, if Josh Lukey w- w- didn't have this scarlet letter on his jersey now, that is going to make it really hard. It seems like for him to, you know, for the Mariners to promote him to to the big league level for them. If he didn't have that, like, did that affect his ranking at all? Or yeah, it did because you know, I mean, I'll be honest. He was he was a tough guy to rank just because because of the fact that, like you said, he's going to be. A tough guy to and promote, let, you know, and so let, I mean, for if you're Baseball America, this is the Baseball America podcast, so I, I feel comfortable that most of our uh, listeners here know the story. But you know, give them the the quick, you know, thumbnail sketch of of what we're talking about. If there's someone, okay, um, in 2008, Josh Lukey, um, well, the, the the charges didn't come out until 2009. But basically, what happened was he was, um, you know, charged with raping and, and sodomizing a woman when he was in Bakersfield. Um, he he pled guilty to lesser... He pled no contest. No, no contest, on, on sorry, lesser yeah. no charges. Contest, sorry. No contest. Till much on lesser charges. Yeah. And so there was no trial or anything like that. Um, and he actually spent 42 days in jail, you know, um, during the whole process and everything. And and then after that all happened, that's, that's when he was traded. Um... And at the time, and then the, what came out was is that the Mariners, like, it became a, a story in Seattle because 
it wasn't something where the Mariners traded for Lukey and said, hey, yeah. it became we're, a story because we're acquiring this guy who has this history. It was more of, wait, what? He yeah. has this history? I mean, basically there could have been two ways to handle it. They could have said, yeah, we know we knew about this, and, you know, we're, we're going to give this guy a second chance. He or they could have said, He's you know, wait, what? We, do, we didn't know about this, and, you know. Um, they went with B. Pleaded ignorance, and, yeah, they, they went with B, and, Either way, you know, there probably would have been some sort of backlash, but it kind of became a bigger story than I was going to say, it would A have would have probably, and I, you know, we don't know if they, it, it, we don't know that they, you know, whether they knew or not. Now, we'll say this, we knew. I mean, yeah. You know, we had written, you know, I mean, that was, that was the explanation for why Josh Lukey for the Rangers was in low A at the start of the season, because you either had to send him to low A or double A, because he, he was not going back to Bakersfield. Right. And... You know, it's hard to believe that a team would not have that somewhere in their records, but it's possible they didn't. But by not having it, by having it be the we didn't know, it led to multiple further stories, which were the question of, well, how didn't you know? When exactly. did you it find be, it out? It its own beast in right. Seattle. And, uh, but, you know, so if you put that aside, Josh Lukey is, is really talented and has – Lights out stuff at the back of a bullpen, and I think he definitely would have been in my top ten without that. Um, I think I put him, I put him twelve um, with that, and I, I think, you know, honestly, I think that he still could get a chance. I think, you know, I think it could blow over because his talent is that good, and and you yeah, know. and time does seem to these things fade a little bit as far as the attention that that comes with them. You know, sure, that's but. It, I mean, that had to be obviously one of the tougher ranking decisions because if he was in a different organization now, it would probably not affect him as much. But when normally when a reliever gets called up, it's not that big a deal. In his case, in Seattle, it's going to be a big deal if it happens. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, he was he was a little bit tough to rank, but talent wise, he's a top ten quality prospect for sure. Right back in the top, probably because right, he's. He's he's a he's a late inning reliever. Yeah, I mean his stuff compares favorably to to Dan Cortez, right. who is tenth. Yeah. So that, actually, there's you know that's a pretty good comp mm-hmm. in some ways. Yep. But uh, but the thing that I you know been talking around around the office this week, you know, we talked about the possibility of a Granky trade, and the you've been going back and forth with Jim about that. Yeah, we have. We've enjoyed kind of talking about this, but. One of the things is is that the Royals have come out and said that what they're looking for is, I mean, they're not going to trade Granke unless they get a really significant talent haul because they don't have the, the desperate need to trade him. He's got two years left under his contract. And the other thing is is that they want it to match up with the needs that they have because, sure. you know, which everyone would like to. But, but one of the interesting things is if you said, what are the needs that the Royals have? Well, shortstop is the biggest need if you don't think that Christian Colon, who – Christian Colon's a shortstop second baseman who the thought is is if he plays shortstop, he's average at best, maybe a tick below, and he's probably a little bit above average if you move him to second. He's got the bat to play second. But if you if you move him to second, they really what they need is is a, a pretty close to big league ready shortstop because that's a hole they have. And they could use if you if Will Myers, you don't think Will Myers is gonna be a catcher, they could probably use a catcher also. Those are two or and maybe a right handed starter. Well, the interesting thing is, is that if you just kind of go looking around, there aren't a whole lot of shortstop. You know, it is in a position to and take on Granky that has those things. And, and the thing, the interesting thing with that is, is even if you go beyond what teams have that, 
if you said, okay, so who are the shortstop prospects out there? It's a, it's a it's a down year for shortstop prospects. That's one that's one thing that really stuck out to me when I started looking at my top 100 candidates. Who do you I, get? I think the top shortstop prospects Manny Machado. Who but you can't even well you can't drafted. for one thing you can't, you can't trade, trade for, you can't trade right. for him yet. You can right. trade him as a player to be named later that you get in you know, and I guess on August 15th or whatever. But yeah, yeah, you can't trade for him now. And beyond that, he's not. I mean, the the Royals need a, a close to big league ready shortstop, a guy who can show right. up that's in not 2012, him. not. You know, that's not Machado. Go beyond him. There's not a whole lot of. I mean, we just talked about Jerickson Profar. Jerickson Profar is a long ways away from you know from the big leagues right now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, as far as upper levels, the best guy I could come up with off the top of my head, I haven't sat down and, and charted out, but is probably maybe D Gordon. Maybe. Um, I mean, if if you believe in in the bat enough. Right, and that's not. I mean, this is not a. I think he's going to need a little. A, you know, a couple more seasons. Right. Hitting. This is, I mean, to put it this way, this is not even, you know, this is not Elvis Andrus. This right. is not, you know, Alcides Escobar, which both of them, I think, have some questions with the bat. But, but more are much. If you, if this was a year ago, those would be the names you'd be throwing out, and I think those would be much more kind of slam dunks as, okay, here's a guy who we can trade for, acquire, feel comfortable that he's going to play as our shortstop for a while to go. So if if the Royals ask for Elvis Andrews and something, would you? Well, if I'm the Rangers, I don't think you can do that because who's your plan B? I think you know, yeah, the plan B would have to be some sort of stopgap or something, you know. So what you're doing is is you're you're getting an ace, yeah, but at the same time you're taking away one of your best young, you know. I mean, we saw. I mean, Andrews's year was, you know, good, very good, you know, very flashes of of excellent defense mm-hmm. during the regular season. You know, not the offense that you want long term, but hey, he was 21, I think, the yeah. whole year or whatever. But you saw in the playoffs. I mean, this guy is a guy who can be an impact player. Yeah. I think if you're the Royals, you'd be thrilled with that. But I don't. You know, it's a kind of the basis, the starting point of a deal. But I don't know if you're the Rangers. I mean, I think that's making yourself weaker in a significant area to make another area stronger. For a longer amount of time. I mean, Andrew, you know, Granky's only available for two right. more years. Andrus is under contract for the next five, yep. you know, just from the standpoint of, of uh, you know, arbitration all coming up. I mean, he's not even at arbitration yet. And if you're the Rangers, it's not like, well, we got Jerks and Profar. Well, Jerks and Profar will be showing up, you know, after you got to have Granky on a new deal before yeah. Profar is going to be showing yeah. up. I mean, that that's the thing that's going to be interesting is just it's not – there's not as many teams out there that you look at and say, okay, well, they they can be a match. Like the Yankees, it's not that the Yankees don't have prospects who could be cornerstones. Jesus Montero is a good cornerstone to a trade. But if you're the Royals, you can take the approach of, hey, we want the best talent we can get, and Montero will be part of that. But Jesus Montero, if you don't believe he's a catcher, and I've, I would feel confident in saying, if you're breaking in in 2012, 2013, you hope to have a staff that has Montgomery, Duffy, uh, Dwyer, you know, Lamb, all those guys in it. You don't want to have a, sh- a guy, a catcher who's a shaky, you know, defensively. Yeah. If you say that, that he's not a catcher, well, then you start throwing him in the pile at first base, and you've got Billy Butler. First base DH is Billy Butler, Eric Hosmer. Him and then Keila Kahui. I mean, that's yeah. you can only play two of those, and it would be Hosmer and you know Montero and, and Butler fighting for those 
two spots, but that you'd have to end up turning around and trading again. So yeah. I, I don't. It, it'll be interesting to see. Well, you might be able to get away with a, a bad defensive team with those pitchers, though. <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, though, the, the approach I've always heard with the young pitching, you know, staffs is, is that you want to put good defense behind them to get them into good, you know, good habits and all. Yeah. You don't want them thinking they have to strike everyone out too. So, I mean, that's, if you're taking the uh, if you're a Royals fan, the most optimistic thing you could hope for is, is you're saying that you know you're hoping that this team is like the uh, the, the Braves of the you know late '80s going into the early '90s, and with that, you know what they did is, is they said, okay, well we're going to get Sid Bream, Terry Pendleton, Raphael Belliard, guys like that to help the defense mm-hmm. to make the Smoltz and Glavins and all those better. So it'll be very interesting to see. Now, again, you you know you know the Mariners system very well. I've seen the name floated out there. I don't see where it would make any sense, but do you think there's any chance that the Mariners would, would trade Felix for a for No. Um I don't know where I don't know where these you know, his name is coming out there from. I don't I don't think the Mariners are thinking about trading him. I mean he's he's I always like to, you know, say he's younger than David Price, which is kind of just Insane. startling to think about. But yeah, he's younger he actually has uh Felix has the same birthday as Carlos Santana. Which is pretty interesting, you know. But um, I don't think so. I don't think so. And, and I, I, Yankees fans are li- like to think that you know everyone's available for them, you know. But I just don't see it happening. Especially because I can't think of a deal that, like, say the Yankees. I can't think of a deal that the Yankees could do that would actually, you could say, as the Mariners, that this is going to make us better than what we have by right. having Felix out there every fifth day. Especially, you know, Felix just signed his extension. Yeah. He's, uh, he's, he's locked, locked up, up through 2014. Uh, the price actually went up a little bit after he won the Cy Young, right. but you know, for eighty million dollars, no, that's twenty for eleven to fourteen. And, and again, which, you're, you're the talking about a twenty-four off season, and we're talking about like the deal Cliff Lee got, which he took less money. But we're talking about that's Cliff Lee. You're getting Cliff Lee from thirty-two, thirty-three, thirty-four, thirty-five, thirty-six. Yeah, Felix Hernandez in two thousand fourteen will still be twenty-eight. Yeah, I mean yeah. he'll still be in the middle of his career. Yeah. So, I yeah I can't see. Well, for one thing, like. To me, if you trade Felix Hernandez, you're not trading him just for prospects. You have to get big league ready guys. You'd have to, because, like I said, I, like I, I believe that the Mariners are closer than than some think. I think you know they well, can, you know, build this core. But he's he's the centerpiece of that core. But from another standpoint, if you're Jack Zarensic, you can't trade Felix Hernandez just for prospects and say, hey, we think that in 2013 we're going to be really good. You're not going to be around in 2013 to Right. To get that, then you know, to enjoy that, probably. Yeah. If you say, "Hey, we've made all these moves these last couple of years, and by the way, we're kicking the can three years down the road." Yeah. No, I, I just, I don't think it's realistic to, to, even, think about the Mariners trading Felix Hernandez right now. Of course, if you're, you know, on the other hand, of the, on the other end of the spectrum, the Phillies, it's like, okay, well, you got Joe Blanton, and you're just like, okay, well, can we find a, a nice home for him, and you know, send him somewhere to, to help someone else out because, well. That's a lot of money to pay for a fifth starter. That's a good problem to have. Yeah, that is. Not many teams have that problem, <laughs> you know, in a long time. But, well, this is the Baseball America podcast. We thank you for listening, as always. Uh, for Connor Glassy, I'm J.J. Cooper. Reminding you again that we're sponsored by MLB Network. But I also want to tell you, as, as Christmas gets near and and uh, if you're uh, working on your Yes, for a baseball, you know, for fellow baseball fans, if you're listening to this, I take it you're a baseball fan. But for fellow baseball fans, check out baseballamerica.com/store uh, because you can find we've got 
it's book season now. We got the uh, the almanac. We've got the prospect handbook, and then you know obviously a subscription to the magazine. We can you know you can read it online. You can read it in print, or you now we have the digital edition online, so you can actually see the actual magazine and read it like a magazine on you know on your screen, on your iPad, on whatever you know. Uh, well, iPad coming up, I believe, actually on that, but. Uh, but so, you know, a lot of different opportunities out there. So take a look at those. We appreciate the uh, download, and we'll talk to you again next week. Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading to the airport, right? Yeah, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%.